0: And you're listening to Training for Ultra Podcast.
1: This is Anime Flynn, and I'm here talking to Training for Ultra Podcast.
0: Yeah, it's like, really, I just need to catch up with Rob.
2: The uh, Training for Ultra Podcast, and this is David Laney. I, I thought oh. it was a joke, actually.
3: It, it is. I thought it was one of her jokes, yeah. It is a joke. Okay. okay. <laughs> okay. So classic.
1: <laughs> oh my god, you would literally think it would be like, beep, beep, beep. Mother, mother, beep, mother, mother, beep, beep, mother, beep, mother, beep, 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 beep. One, two, one, two,
3: three, four. <laughs> Training for Ultra podcast.
0: I'm Sally McRae, also known as Yellow Runner.
3: 100
4: miles is
0: not that far.
4: Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra podcast.
2: Welcome to episode 90 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and we're keeping it local for this episode. So, three of the people I talk to actually participate in my local group run at Runner's Roost. Really excellent runners. They all love running. It's just fun to keep it local for an episode. And I'm also trying something new where we touch base with two Patreon supporters with help from Michelle Barton. So, it's a fun episode. We're keeping it local. Two Patreon supporters are Scott and Josephine. Josephine actually participates in the local group runs. And I'm also talking to two coaches and just excellent runners that are also, you know, at that Runner's Roost group run Brandon Yonke and Caitlin Morgan. Just excellent people, <laughs> fun people, nice people, but great athleticism amongst the two of them. And so it's an exciting episode. And I, I just appreciate Runner's Roost letting me utilize you know their space to record a live episode so thank you to ultimate direction i've decided i'm using the mountain 4.0 vest for my upcoming big 100 i think it's june 14th and i'm just training with it you know it fits really well it doesn't bounce around and you have to be careful make sure you get the right size of vest so it doesn't bounce around too much but i'm happy with it thank you to sufferfest beer big distribution in california and colorado hopefully expanding here shortly. Thank you to Hammer Nutrition. I'll definitely be using a lot of uh, Perpetuum and Hammer gels during my triple crown of 200s. And don't overlook their, um, their vitamin offering. I think it's really a solid lineup. And they also have uh, a REM, like a sleep aid that I've started to kind of toy around with along with the CBD oil. So the combination of those two right before bed because I'm, I'm having to practice how to recover. Because it's going to be a big part of the Triple Crown. Thank you to... in Hammer Nutrition, if you need to use a promo code for 15% off your first order, feel free. 25-28-88. It's a referral code. It'll help you out. And thank you to Exoskin. They have some new midweight base layers. I utilize a lot of their base layers. Um, even I'm, I'm planning on using them during Bighorn. For the um, base layer, you know, the top base layer it has slight compression, has a good feel to it, but they've introduced some new products. Check out their website. If you need 20% off, feel free to use T, the number four U 20, you can get 20% off. I'll definitely be using their socks, calf sleeves, you know, throughout all the uh, upcoming four races that I have. And let's see, did I leave anyone out? Destination Trail, Candace Burton, her team, obviously I'm a big fan, my entire a goal of the year is the uh, triple crown that they put on some of the absolute best aid stations in the entire world and just really cool courses so if you're looking for that not to sound lame but destination uh, trail race put you know to put on your calendar definitely check out their website they have races of all distances and they go up to that Moab 240 distance so thank you to all the supporters thank you to Patreon supporters and this is just a cool episode so I calculated, I have four races left for the rest of the year. And uh, it's sort of scary, actually. You know, it's, it's over 750 miles of races between the Bighorn 100 and the Triple Crown of 200s. And combined, I figured out that they roughly have 131,000 feet of gain amongst the four races. Which is just like going up Everest four and a half times. Luckily, there'll be some oxygen where I'm running, so it won't be as bad. But thank you guys. Enjoy these episodes. Let me know what you think. We're keeping it local. I'm joined here by Scott and Josephine, two really awesome Patreon supporters, and I'm trying to change it up a little bit. I wanted to just have a little segment, you know, catch you up with Patreon supporters, because you guys do make a really big difference, and each one of you guys is really interesting. So thank you, Josephine, Scott, for joining me.
5: Uh, I'm super excited to uh, to uh, be a part of this. I've been, you know, uh, listening to your back uh, episodes for a while, trying to get caught up. So this is, you know, super exciting for me. Anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I was um, I I had talked to you in person, Josephine. I thought it was interesting. You thought the the episodes with Michelle Bart- Barton at the uh, you know for those earlier episodes were your favorite. I think was what you said to me.
5: Oh yeah! I every time you I listen to you know the intro of the new episode and you say that Michelle's going to be on, I I get a little excited. <laughs> she just she cracks me up. I think sometimes Michelle Barton is is my spirit animal.
0: <laughs> Hi, Josephine! Oh, s- surprised <laughs> you! <laughs> oh my God! Hello! How are you?
5: I'm fine. Thanks. How are you?
0: Thank you for the compliments. I appreciate it. <laughs>
5: Oh, I guess so i I just I get super excited every time he says that you're gonna be on the episode. In fact, I'm in the middle of the one where you're talking to Dean Carnassus about how he was running from mission to mission, and you just pulled over on the side of the road and jumped out of the car to run with him.
0: yeah, that that was a really <laughs> special day. That was super fun cause I was just <laughs> at work at the running store, and I knew his plan. that was a gonna be like sort of running by where I worked and then running down to the mission to meet his family and I just sort of like left work and ran with him. It was awesome. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Thank you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you.
2: Well we also had we, we had Scott on the phone and his call dropped so I'm gonna try to call him back really quick if you guys don't mind. Well you'll you'll hear on the episode I um I also had michelle barton on um
3: hey scott (laughs) hi hi so
2: josephine said and and it was perfect because she said that uh she thought um michelle was her spirit animal so um wait her spirit animal (laughs) is
0: puppies though i she loves puppies more than running (laughs) (laughs) they're about they're about 50 50. (laughs) okay so so what's our spirit animal josephine Uh, or are we just both animals like we're (laughs) we're both cheetah mermaids (laughs) with puppies i like like (laughs) with a puppy tail or puppy tongue (laughs) there we go scott don't worry you're you're my spirit
2: (laughs) animal okay i'm not going to leave you Uh, out
3: i'm trying to figure out i'm trying to figure out how you even figure out what your spirit animal is
2: (laughs) so let's start off scott What type of running are you into? You're you're a Patreon supporter. I think you've been one from way, way back, and it's cool to actually talk in person. What distances do you like? And give us a little background on your running.
3: Well, I I started running, uh, I think, in 2013. Um, A friend of mine wanted me to try a sprint triathlon with him, so it was only really a 5K run at that time and so I, I, at that time I hadn't run at all so I had to start training for that that was back in 2013 I did a few a few of those sprint triathlons and I just kind of gradually moved up a little bit did a, a couple of half marathons and then I in 2015 I did my first full marathon uh, nice. road marathon and then um, I wanted to get into the trails so I did a half trail and fell in love with the trails. And, um, joined a running club, um, that does primarily, um, trail running. Um, and then I just started, I dabbled in a couple of 50 Ks and then I worked my way up and did a, a 60 miler at Born to Run last year. Nice. And then I did a 50 miler in Catalina, on Catalina Island this last January. I remember that, yeah couple little ones here and there that's pretty much the extent of it 60 miles my farthest distance so far
2: so are you you're interested mostly in spending more time on the trails at this point or are you focused in on like a new pr at at shorter races or like what are you zeroing in on
3: no i i'm zeroing in on um longer distances kind of like kind of like you so um I got, I got a little injured in January at the 50-miler. I hurt my hip, and I was already signed up to do a pretty tough run called Santa Barbara Nine Trails, mm-hmm. um, and I wasn't able to do that one. Uh, and then I was signed up to do my first 100-miler just uh, last week at Born to Run, but I'm still not completely healed, and so I didn't want to push it. Uh, but yeah, my, my goal is to uh, work my way up, keep, keep awesome. seeing what... What um, i you know, what I
2: could do. I think it's really smart to hold back and make sure you're healed up and not permanently injure yourself. So, well done on that front. Seriously, wise, wise of you. And it's hard when you're already signed up for something.
0: I, I, it's I hard right, when you're so, new yeah. into running like if you're sort of a newer like you sort of gain that patience i mean rob i've seen you gain that patience like over the years but it doesn't happen in the beginning so scott do you live in southern california
3: i live in central on the central coast of california i live oh, between I santa barbara and san luis obispo
0: oh nice yeah, yeah. i'm i'm familiar yeah. with that uh, catalina island race that's a great one so what is your injury
3: Uh, well, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I went and got an MRI and basically it's saying not much. It's just basically saying I have bursitis and some hamstring tendinosis. Um, but it's been, I guess today, well, Monday will be like 12 weeks since I've really actually gone on farther than like a, maybe a two mile run Uh and, um, just, I've been doing physical therapy and all that stuff, but there's still something. I just get a twinge back like in the upper glute area at first I thought it was sciatica and maybe some piriformis stuff. Um, and, but I am going to physical therapy and I'm going to chiropractic and going to massage. And, um, basically the physical therapist is just having me work on, um, my core strengthening exercises and hip and, uh, hip, all the hip muscles and all that stuff. So I just been focusing on that stuff and really kind of, I want to go out and try to run, but then I'm afraid that, um, I'm going to make it worse. So Right. Are you able know. to
0: go, like, biking or do anything else besides running?
3: Yeah, the physical therapist actually wanted me to hold off. For what they're actually just now, like, in the last week or so, saying to go to the gym and get on the elliptical and get on the stationary bike. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a road bike at home. Um, I just need to put some air in the tires. But uh, Oh, come <laughs> on. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Same here. I know you I know. guys
0: are bad. That takes like fifteen seconds. Go and do it now. So me and Josephine <laughs> will talk about puppies and mermaids and was... being Incarnazies, and you guys pump your tires. <laughs> so, so
2: Scott and I will be back. Michelle, let's let's hear you um, dive into Josephine's running.
0: I know and Josephine. Puppies. We we just met, but I want to know what's in your future. What are some of your goals for like over the summer? What do you have your eye on? What kind of trails do you like? What kind of terrain is your favorite? Um, I am just I'm a I'm a
5: baby trail runner. I well, if you don't count the weekly run clubs where we run the bluffs every Thursday. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'm a I'm a baby trail runner. I've only completed two actual trail races: a 25k and a four mile. Just all within the last two weeks. Um, I'm predominantly a road runner. Mm-hmm. I have. I did. I did register though for uh, one of the Mad Moose events in Moab, the um, Dead Horse 30K nice. in November. Nice. So I'm real excited about that. Um, I, I did. This, I've the 25K that I did on the fourth, May fourth, uh, was to date the longest distance that I had ran. So, oh, congratulations! Um, Thank you, thank you. Since I've sort of conquered that the half and you know everything up to the half, I'd like to eventually get to a full and beyond. But I think if I look at them in K, they don't seem so intimidating.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, so, I, all my stuff is metric. It's, it's more fun to uh, run in metric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So goes by faster. I'm, I'm doing it. Does
5: <laughs> so. I'm working on that, and I, you know, um, the, someone asked me at work why I, you know, continue to what keeps me motivated and now is to see um how fast I can go how how far I can go and how fast I can do it. Okay. So that's uh, I like that's that first I like and, the first
2: part of that, but
5: <laughs> how far? <laughs> well I I and that's what I'm trying to figure out too, which I guess I actually do have a question uh staged after all, Rob, is um can can a person be a a road runner, a somewhat speedy road runner and a, a middle of the pack trail runner?
2: I don't because see I why not. To... Yeah, I Absolutely. mean Absolutely.
5: Yeah.
2: I mean I I would yeah, think Yeah,
5: I can I...
2: What's what's middle of the pack or, or a speedy marathoner, you know, like it's hard to compare yourself to Kipchoge, you know, like uh, <laughs> cuz speed speed there is just crazy, but yeah, I it, it's an interesting point. Like maybe a, a a great road marathoner can't convert that into technical trail and mountain climbing just cuz they didn't train those muscles but i i would think you're pretty if you're going to be a speedy marathoner uh if you're going to take the time to develop the right muscle sets and everything it should translate you should be able to pull that cardio engine into the trails but michelle what do you think
0: i think we should talk to bodice (laughs) no i think it's really good (laughs) I I think they complement each other as much as trail runners don't typically love roads or love treadmills and stuff like that. It is a good thing to do that. Like once or twice a week kind of speed thing or a flat run, get your fast twitch muscles going, get the turnover, like focus on your form, your cadence, all that stuff. Cause like playing out on the trails is always a little more fun. Right. And like being Mm -hmm. on the road is a little more work, but they totally help each other. Like you can't, I don't think you can be great and just like always run trails. Like you have to mix it up. Even if it's like running flat fire roads um and not pavement, but I think you can definitely do both. Yeah. I mean th- I agree. Yeah. I mean in
2: running roads, I mean I would just say in general speed work and I've learned slowly over time like maybe for me at least maybe one workout per week I mm-hmm. Will it'll suck? Like I can taste the lactic acid in my mouth. Basically, like it hurts, but it also develops um a, a better running form that can hold longer. So
0: mm-hmm. at least for yeah, me. start incorporating intervals like on your road runs. And do you train with a Suunto or a Garmin GPS, like with heart I, rate? Yeah, I have a a Forerunner seven thirty five. Uh Uh-huh.
5: So. Uh, That garment.
0: Perfect. Yeah. So um, I would probably just like, usually the people that I coach, I tell them um, in the beginning to do a Maffetone test. Um, Do you know what that is? It's just a a math test. So you take um, the number 180 um, minus your age and that will give you a number. And so what you want to do is run, uh, for example, like run 10 K on whatever that magic, magic number is, and that's going to give you like your pace or a number. So you are gonna, um, like if you keep training on that math sort of heart rate, like say your math number is 130, and you want to do like a lot of base runs, whether it's, uh, trail, or pavement like kind of keep it at that 130 and you'll see if you stick to it that um eventually you'll just be picking up the pace like running faster on the same heart rate on the same low heart rate
2: it's humbling It's pretty cool it's humbling at the start so like get Uh prepared to borderline walk if you've never done heart rate training yes but it's the best base building process available i think but i'm not a coach or anything
0: right I
5: see. So it's the 180 minus your age, and then uh-huh. whatever that number is is the heart rate that
0: you're supposed to aim for.
2: That's right. Your, yeah, that's your speed. Okay. Essentially,
0: it's, it's just like a ah. a good sort of base number, and uh, and it's just it's good to have something to like have a gauge, and and like uh, the people that I coach, they're running on their math number, and then it's crazy. They can take off like 10 minutes off their 10k, and on the same heart rate a month later, it's pretty cool.
2: I'd say last year, that was, my, that was sort of part of my breakthrough, was figuring out. I was talking to, I, I forget who it was, uh, but I, I concluded only 10% of my runs actually had to be hard, and then yes. 90% of my runs should actually be way, way easier than I ever had thought, and that's when, I, I don't know, I started picking up steam into the Silver King race and i think cross training too michelle always talks about mountain biking but yeah cross training is awesome scott do you do you incorporate speed work at all throughout your training
3: uh i you know i did at the beginning when i started running and then i kind of when i when i found the trails i kind of somehow i just kind of forgot about it and i was just kind of running at one pace all the time so i really need to probably get back to that I, easy I think it's to get important. stuck
0: in into that. In this, but yeah, just go ahead. I would just say, um, like make a plan and sort of break it up and like take a Tuesday for example, and have that be speed work and incorporate some Tabata's. Um, that's like 20 seconds, really hard, 10 seconds rest and do it eight times. I got really fast just doing those and incorporating that. But when you go hard, you want to go really, really hard. And then, take a break but it's a magical like what that four minute block can do like once a week for your overall sort of fitness it's pretty amazing
2: i've i've learned you gotta be very cognizant of how your body's feeling before you have one of those days so definitely if you're feeling like all your muscles are tight and you're just fatigued like just forget about it it. that (laughs) week yeah yeah yeah, push it to the next week it's not a big deal listen to your body and then also just plan accordingly so if you have a back to back long run over the weekend don't throw in a speed day on a Monday <laughs> like you're gonna you're gonna tear something um, or I mean just yeah you can damage yourself uh, I've learned that the hard way a few times so what else I I want to hear Josephine what questions do you have for Michelle your spirit animal <laughs> <laughs> Uh Not to put you on the spot or anything.
5: Well, mostly the first question is, um, how do you run with that hair?
0: (laughs) (laughs) The hair makes me run faster. Like, when I cut my hair, I run slower. I remember the year, like, um, I was, like, in Western States. I guess it was... 2009 whatever whatever year they canceled it because of the fires well i went and got a haircut like the week before the race and the lady went crazy and just chopped all my hair off and i was really mad and then they canceled the race so i was really happy because i knew i'd run slow but i just put it back in a ponytail i don't run with it down um typically does it it help your
2: cadence like (laughs) <laughs> like hitting your back at a certain rhythm or something
0: oh i've i've been chafed like at the javelin 100 with my ponytail swinging back and forth and just the 100 degree heat in the desert like i seriously got like bad ripped water. on my back uh, because of yeah bad water too because of my ponytail like at the bottom of my waist it's
2: like whipping those were you. the days oh, before
0: squirrel's nut butter but uh, yeah, I need the hair—the longer, the better—for my running yeah, and biking. Yeah, I see all your pictures, all your pictures with your hair free flowing, and I'm just like, good lord, mine's shoulder length, and I can't stand to have it down. Yeah, no, it suffocates me pretty much. Like, just gets in my mouth if I have it down. But <laughs> yeah, oh. oh, I I meant to tell you earlier. Um, when I
5: first heard you on, on the podcast and was listening to you and I knew right away, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this lady. And it was before I heard you were from California. I'm yeah. from San Diego, born and raised. <laughs> uh, oh, we're very close, like an hour away. <laughs> oh, no, I live in Denver now, but I'm born oh, and lucky. raised in San Diego. I moved here in 2005. So. <laughs> oh, nice. I'd rather
0: be in Denver.
2: <laughs> it's a small world. I'm keeping it local on this episode. It's crazy. She's part of my yeah. uh, local group run. So, no
3: way! Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah,
2: when she said she does bluffs, it's this four-mile little loop that we do at Runner's Roost, and it has, like, what What would you say, Josephine, like 500 feet of gain, I think, overall? Yeah, it feels damn near
5: vertical, that first mile. <laughs> yeah,
2: if you want a hard group run, I mean, it's probably this and a boulder group run, too. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: It's
2: pretty cool. Scott... So,
0: Josephine, do you oh, think you'll do a 50K um, next year or this year or... Do you think you want to eventually lead up to an ultra?
5: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Nice. I'm just slowly, I'm slowly making my way up. Um, I was looking first for a way to jump from a half to a full. I know those distances are kind of hard to find, and and uh, I I didn't want to make the entire somebody. And I honestly, sorry, Rob, I don't remember who what guest it was you had on a podcast. You we were talking about training and how to make the jump and distances, and they suggested not to go more than ten percent at a time, and that sort of the way I was working up to it to begin with. So yeah. I figure I did my half. I did the 25K. I've got the 30. I'll probably jump. See if I – I don't even know if one exists, but something in the 40 range and then go to the 50K and then sort of on and up, on and up from there.
2: Hey, so have you done a marathon? Just I have maybe? not. Okay. I would say a road marathon is – it depends on how you run it, but – Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the hiking involved in a lot of 50 Ks. I mean, it's more pounding on your, your quads and your, are your utilizing yeah. your glutes, but at the same time, I would say the effort level, at least for how I run a marathon, you know, I'm not Austin yeah. qualifying. I would say a 50 K almost feels easier. Um, I, yeah. I would say a 50 K is easier if I'm not trying to like really push the pace just because you're on yeah. trails you're taking hiking breaks there's aid stations that actually have everything you need as opposed to like off taste uh off tasting Gatorade (laughs) and uh yeah that's that's just my opinion but
0: Michelle definitely easier on your body I agree a thousand percent I mean like I remember after my first road marathon I could barely get out of bed I was just like well I I didn't do the smart 10% rule I just uh did like a seven mile run and then just did a marathon the next weekend because my dad said I couldn't. And so I just, LA to yeah, yeah. the <laughs> LA. So, um, but I was destroyed after that. And so like, after my first 50 K I was like, Oh, I'm fine. Like barely sore. And I think just because you're incorporating and utilizing so many different muscles rather than just the same, you know, the quads, the pounding of the pavement, like that totally tears you up. The only pavement uh-huh. I've discovered in the world that doesn't tear you up is the one from Death Valley to Mount Whitney because I think it's just so soft and it's baked liquid. from the heat. I, it feels <laughs> like, fishy, like it, it doesn't hurt like a normal pavement. It's but, lava. Uh, yeah. But I, I totally agree that like a road marathon is just like going to destroy you way more than like a nice trail 50K. Yeah,
2: it's also what yeah. you make of it. So yeah, if you're going to push the heck out of your pace, then I, I think they're going to be pretty equivalent, but... Just my opinion, Scott. What what questions do you have? Do you have anything for Michelle?
3: Um, yeah. Um, well, Michelle, I've been I've been following you too on Instagram for a long time. And thank uh, you. Um, yeah, I'm really. What what do you have coming up? Do you have any races coming up
0: soon? I do. I have a hundred mile bike race that's puts on. Um, do you know Trans Rockies? Have you heard of that race? Well, trans events. Of it, yeah. Okay, so they put on um, a lot of cycling races as well as running races. Um, and so I'm going to do a hundred mile bike race in Canada in July, and then I'm going to do a hundred k running race called Iron Legs in uh, Canada in August. Um, nice. So that's okay. what I have on my schedule for the next couple months. Yeah.
3: So I've noticed you do a lot of races in Canada.
0: Um. It's yeah. Price. Because I've been doing races for how many years? I don't know. 18, Eighteen, seventeen, hundreds, hundreds. Well, I've been doing ultras <laughs> for like fifteen years. So I've done yeah. all of them in California. It seems like and um, done a lot of them like eight times, um, just over okay. and over. So I like Canada because it always destroys me, and it's so pretty, and it's so much tougher to me than like just running fire roads in California by the beach or whatever. That's pretty, but I really like running by rivers and lakes and big mountains and technical steep ups and downs. It's just different. And, um, these two, two races I have not done before and I've wanted to do them for like five years. So I'm excited for that. But yeah, I love Canada.
3: So, so you should
0: do some in Canada. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I know one person that lives in Canada. I had I could maybe I could stay with them.
0: Nice. We're in Canada.
3: Yeah. Uh so I think Toronto area oh, okay. or near Toronto. Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. I was close to sinister 7 this year, but it just my schedule uh, doesn't allow for me to get my butt totally kicked before the Triple Crown, so Right, But I, I've i already, I've talked to the race director and I'm, I mean, I'm going to do that race at some point. Along with the yep. Canadian death race, that seems like that, pretty That was it. my
0: favorite one yeah. out of the three he puts on. I think my favorite thing about that race is just giving the Grim Reaper that golden <laughs> death coin and being like, ha, ha 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 like I made it. Take me across the boat. Like, <laughs> there's no race like that. That's fun.
2: <laughs> that was a fun episode. I remember that.
0: Yeah.
2: One. Um, so, let's end with, uh, I mean, do you, well, first of all, Scott and Josephine, do you have any questions for me? If not, I'm not offended. You're probably sick of hearing me. You're like, ah.
3: Noah, don't you have a race coming up before you do the Triple Crown?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm doing uh, the Bighorn, 100 miler, and uh, it sounds like it's going to be muddy. It's it's notoriously muddy, yeah. but you know, since we got that snow recently, uh, I, my expectations are just for long. You know, a long grinding hundred miler, and my goal is not to get hurt before the triple crown. Um, and honestly, I need to get back in the two hundred miler pace, which is uh, it's like a hundred miler pace, and then slow down a little bit. (laughs) So I need to, (laughs) (laughs) I need to get ready. I'm training, uh, getting like, you know, all this all this little stuff, uh, figured out. So like, I'm using some lucky poles these new a new yes. version of them i need to test those out i need to know how my ultimate direction i'm using a mountain pack now that has slots for those poles and like i'm just testing out everything and this is like the final kind of real real life test so if there's a catastrophe it happens there and not at bigfoot in august so it it will be an adventure and i need to night run a little bit more i forgot how important that is, and I'm also just excited for the adventure aspect. Like, this is really exploring and a true adventure of a race, so, yeah, I'm really excited. Are, and that one's are coming you
5: up sure
2: you're not just excited?
5: with the next... Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I was say, are you sure you're just not excited for the extra hammer peanut butter gel? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, me and and peanut butter like between so hammer nutrition like I think internally they probably have a poster or a joke somewhere about that because I think I, I literally my first year running I think I ordered more peanut butter hammer gels than like probably anyone but even Justin's peanut butter Sent me this giant, like, box full of peanut butter, so... I saw. I'm apparently uh, (laughs) getting a reputation on that front. (laughs) I I say mix up the gels, so leave the best ones, and at this point, peanut butter's just kind of, like, the staple, like, I can put them down, so I save, like, banana, tropical, like, the exciting flavors for later, and I hit tropical at night, because it has caffeine in it, and yeah. Yeah, I, I like that one, too. Just... Eat gels until you're you can't do any more gels, which at Moab two forty was I think forty or fifty hours I think fifty hours in is when I finally hit the point where I'm like, I I'm done.
0: That's then, impressive. Wow. I could never last that long.
2: I mean I've literally from my very first run used the same exact nutrition. So I think my body's just like, Okay. We know perpetuum, we know these gels. Like I really I haven't changed anything. Um, for now four years, going on four years, so.
3: Yeah, I've stayed with this I've stayed with the same uh, nutrition routine myself. I haven't I've been wanting to maybe kind of mix it up, kind of maybe try something new, but everything seems to be working, so for me.
2: Yeah, I don't I wouldn't change it if it's working. Change it if it's not working, you know, or, or like tweak yeah. it or experiment and use those long runs, those fifteen milers, twenty miles, twenty milers like Test out that new pair of socks. Like how much squirrel's nut butter should you put on your feet? Like is it too much, too little? Like experiment with every variable during your training runs. And even sometimes, like in my case, Bighorn 100, like I need to test a headlamp for um, extended period, like 12 hours possibly, you know? Like mm-hmm. it's hard to go on a long run at night. It's possible if you don't have kids and a job and everything else going on, um, but utilize those runs also as testing grounds for what you're going to utilize race day. Race day should not be an experiment. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
5: Never nothing new on race day.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean unless you're desperate. I I forget what. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you're, you're problem-solving, trying something new should be, like, almost like the Hail Mary at the end. Like, well, nothing <laughs> nothing's working. Like, at Georgia Death Race, I borderline made myself throw up. Um, I've never thrown up during a race, but, like, my electrolyte balance was so out of whack. It was like, I need to reset my system, and my stomach wasn't processing food, basically. So. Mm. Let's um let's finish it up with you know, well I, I wanna just say I appreciate you guys. Like truly it's fun to get to catch up with Patreon supporters. We're on kind of that closed Facebook group. But words of wisdom from Michelle Barton. Finish finish it off here, Michelle. We haven't heard from you in a while. It's been way too long.
0: What do you kn- want to know? I, I
2: know you have a <laughs> a running tip or some golden Some nugget of wisdom, let's hear it, that we've never heard before.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, if there's something that sort of just speaks to you and strikes you, like, just go for it. Like, you know how Rob just went for the Moab? And he didn't. I mean, there was a lot of unknowns there. Like, I don't think you really have to go by the 10% rule. Um, Like, it's probably smart if you do and stuff. But uh, I think if like you just like come upon some sort of event or race, just dive in and go for it. And uh, and I think uh, you should just like follow whatever your heart sort of like you know, whatever speaks to you. and uh, and kind of like try to keep running and racing in new places and keep, like how Josephine wants to like keep improving the distance and the speed, like keep having big goals. Like have your goals so super big, and don't be afraid to fail. Cause when you fail, that's when you learn the most. Like it's totally okay to fail.
2: I love right, it, right, Rob? I knew I knew you're I knew you'd come up with something. That's like you're you're always the awesome fallback with some wisdom to share but so you always think you.
0: You know, i, I growing totally up, agree like totally agree like you don't want to fail but actually it's totally fine because you're gonna
2: it's scary you know. when you lose the fear of failure it truly is because it's like well uh what's next i like distance no longer scares me it's just how many days off of work do i have you know like uh uh-huh. ha- how much is daycare can i you know afford to go for this whatever you know like it's why not start a new podcast? I mean, like a lot of, mm-hmm. um, it, it, with racing, I think your brain is subconsciously somehow trying to trick you to, it, it's almost like during a race, you're at mile 75 and all of a sudden you have thoughts of, I'm Negative. like the worst dad in the world.
3: Yes. Yes. Why am I
2: not with my kids? My Like literally, you have to train yourself to think about your thoughts and analyze your thoughts and realize that there's like this subconscious part of your brain that is trying to convince you to stop. And it's, it's one of those like natural built in systems. I think it's a survival, honestly, a survival thing that's built into you. So your body its
0: real. Yeah.
2: But then once you figure out how to like turn that switch off, then yeah, it's sky's the limit. So thank you guys so much for joining me. We'll stay in touch, as we always do. Scott Josephine and Cheetah Mermaid. Thank you, guys. I enjoyed this. <laughs> thank you, thank Scott. You I thank hope you. you're
0: able yeah. to run soon again.
3: <laughs> oh, thank you, Michelle. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm getting there. It's just taking a long lot longer than what I was hoping for, but but right. trying to be patient.
0: I, we've all been there, I think. That's when I fall back on, like, extra swimming <laughs> or biking, but... Hopefully you can get on the elliptical and get back at it.
3: Yep, I'll be back at it soon.
2: Welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. And I'm joined here live at Runner's Roost Lone Tree with Brandon Yonke and Caitlin Morgan, two local runners that are just excellent coaches, excellent runners in their own right. And it's just fun to talk to people that take part in the local run club but then also take part in some of the top races in the U.S. and probably globally too. So welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast and let's have some fun. Let's do it. (laughs) So let's start with Brandon. I mean, where did you start running? Let's hear just the 30-second overview. Like, how did you even hear about ultra running? It's not normal. We're all we're all weirdos. So,
4: I I first heard of ultra running probably back in 2013. I was living in Michigan still, and uh, it's not at least back then. It wasn't just one of those big things that everybody talked about, and had been a runner in college a buddy of mine said hey you've run a couple of road marathons now why don't you uh just come and do this 50k and it was kind of one of those like nudging jokes like hey you should step it up a notch um i wound up being like hey what's what's this 50k thing tell me more and got into that and it was really just drawn to being a different atmosphere than road racing just a different community. A lot of people that just want to work together and get to know everybody versus uh, felt like maybe compete more more or less on the on the road. Uh, but yeah, it just was hooked from there. So you ran in college, and it's always hard
2: to gauge that comment. Like, were you throwing down in college? Like, were you
4: recreational? Like, were you on the rec team? Like, uh, definitely recreational. Okay. Um, yeah, running club in college. Uh, yeah, nothing nothing serious as far as competing one. Like.
2: Let's talk to your significant other, Caitlin. When when did you start? Have you always been a runner? Because you you, ever, you both have like the physique of like three year old just thrown down <laughs> like on the playground. Like, <laughs> have you guys both been just naturally gifted?
3: Um,
1: I ran hurdles in track, so that was my form of running was running over a hurdle which was more like leaping because it was up to my neck
2: okay. high, sc- uh, high school? Or? Yeah, okay. I was short
1: <laughs> Still She's it.
2: basically my
3: height but,
1: <laughs> but that's what I did running and then it kind of escalated from there in college of just running a few miles here and there to get through classes and then for me my dad was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis about my junior year of college and that kind of I guess was the catalyst into running more and running longer. And my first, I guess, introduction into ultra running was running MS around the U.S. So a segment of a relay that runs across the country, and you run um, about a marathon a day for seven, eight. Some people run ten days, and so that was my introduction into ultra running, and it kind of snowballed from there.
2: It always does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ironically, I got into running because of my dad and his health scare after two heart stents being put in. So that's really weird. Like, we're all kind of connected in that regard. Um, And so you got a taste of it and then just wanted to continue?
1: It was a taste of it, and that's also when I actually met Brandon because he was my crew. And so he was talking about training for 100 mile, and I told him that I never really wanted to race anything longer than a 5K. And then I realized, like, after he kind of took a chance at running his first 100 mile, that, hey, maybe I should try something like that. And I did my first 50K, and and from there it was, what else can we run?
2: So, Bren, what were you thinking, trying to crew for this event? <laughs> and then why were you training for this crazy distance? Yeah. Like, how did you get in that?
4: Uh, probably started, summer of 2014, maybe a little bit before that, probably like winter, uh, winter 2013, but I remember one night, I was uh, just doing what somebody in college does in their free time, scroll through your Instagram, and I saw this story about a lady that had run like 210 miles in a week, just like, no way, tell me more, (laughs) because I already loved running, and this was just totally off the charts, and... Feels good to push yourself. So, by the way, I was on AOL Messenger.
3: <laughs> so, uh,
2: just want to throw that out there.
4: Okay, I met my wife like we chatted on AOL. Okay, I looked into the post and found MS around the U.S. as Kaden was saying, uh, just really good cause, but combined running, which is something I already loved, for for a benefit of somebody else, and wound up long story short applying to that and got on to one of the earlier segments um, and the, the founder Ashley she reached out and said hey do you want to come out maybe a couple hours or a couple weeks earlier and do some crewing having some logistics with the crews we need we need another one so like heck yeah so I wound up out there uh, right on the border of California and uh, I think about a week after I got out I started my segment which was 250 miles, I think, from Las Vegas to Milford, Utah. But right after that, I had nothing else to do with my summer. Classes were out for the, the summer, and I stayed on the road as a, as a crew member. I think Caitlin was two sections after me. But that's how we got to know each other. Uh, yeah. The rest is history. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, jealous. I wish I had found running in college when you have those you know, big breaks and can actually have fun with it and have no responsibilities really. So... Yeah. No, I was still so overweight at that point. I, I had discovered pizza freshman year. So. Pizza and beer. Yeah, pizza and beer. Yeah, 50 pounds later. Um, so... And ironically, I I talked to Caitlin uh, after a group run in MS. This run actually was something you mentioned yeah. to me. I think in our very first Instagram, kind of like behind the scenes, <laughs> mention. So that's. It seems like it's very very important to you. Um, you know, it obviously impacted you deeply, like with with your father and everything. Um, let's hear more about. Beyond beyond this first like interaction, like are you guys training for certain events? Like, how does your first hundred go, Brandon? And how do you take a five k runner and like convert her into uh, pretty serious ultra runner? Yes. I, have, I, have no I idea saw her crushing at Black Canyon <laughs> this year. I can confirm she's an ultra runner.
4: My first ever hundred was uh, Superior, and what? Yeah, you started off with Superior. He's- Baptism by fire. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. One of the... Being a hard from Michigan, too. Uh, <laughs> but I drove up there with some some buddies uh, just one weekend after, after training. We packed everything up, and it was about a 14-hour drive from Kalamazoo, Michigan, up to whatever city that is, where it starts. (laughs) It's just so, it's just, I would just say Canada almost. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it was absolutely tough the first time really being sleep deprived and running through the night. I hadn't done any kind of sleep training before, late night training before then, wound up having blisters across my entire bottoms of my feet by the end of the race, Um, but that Feeling of accomplishment at the at the finish line. You finish. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Was I think the thing that really flipped that switch for me. But if you've ever been in the Sawtooth Mountains out there on Northern Lake Superior, uh, that was probably one of my first times running truly in the mountains. And the views, obviously, everyone comments on the views. But there's just something that that can change you and really you into that sport that's special for your first hundred I mean
2: it. I've run Marquette um, I think I just did the 50k and it was like running on pine needles along Lake Superior and hearing the waves crash it was just like seriously probably one of the reasons we moved out to Colorado definitely yeah um, so oddly I think my one of my previous episodes I mentioned like a natural fear of the dark. <laughs> so I, I got to hear, like, like first time running in the dark? Are you guys, like, looking around for animals that are just going to snatch you? Because it's something that, like, I literally get questions about, and I get responses like, I was so scared of running in the dark. Like, I, it sounds really weird, but be honest.
4: I, Were you a little scared when you heard that twig? I've definitely uh, jumped at ridiculous things before. Like, I've had mice run really close to me and jump and scream like a a little kid. Um, Were you scared, though? Like, at Superior in the Dark with the headline. I had a pacer with me for the dark, so I can't say then I was super scared. There's definitely times where maybe I'll get a little bit nervous, like, uh, if I'm really far out somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe in ghosts? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> it's not, not usually. <laughs>
2: Kalen, are you just the trees coming to life yeah, no. um, <laughs> yeah. hallucinating in the dark i mean what's a ghost and what's a hallucination
1: sometimes logs look like really big snakes so just throwing that out there um, I think mile, my flex- one,
4: mile 190 <laughs> <laughs> sorry you go
1: okay um, I think my first experience in the dark is when I ran Ludville, and my coach told me to not worry about training in the dark because he was going to pace me through that. And so I think my fear of the dark is having people sing really loud songs, really out of tune, because that's what he did for like five hours. Oh, that's, but,
2: that's creepy. <laughs> but I think
1: that was my fear of the dark was either tripping or falling. But what I think you get used to it, too. by the way. It was the Beatles. It was like uh, okay. all of the Beatles. Okay, at least it wasn't
2: like Britney Spears or something. He
1: may have thrown that in. <laughs> Anything's possible, but I think that's my fear with the dark—is maybe am I going to fall? Um, kind of not knowing the surroundings except for like that light that you see, and that's it—you can't look around.
2: So, when Brandon, when did you finish Superior versus Caitlin, like entering the ultra running world? Like, were you guys on the same page throughout this process? And like, once you started hanging out together, were you both doing the same distances, or were you? Were you pulling Caitlin up to the 100-mile distance, like, pure pressure style, <coughs> or what
4: was your first race? What was your first ultra?
1: Devil on the Divide. So I ran Devil on the Divide in Empire. It was, like, the second year that race had been done. I thought it would be a grand idea. Um, I think the course gains eight or 9,000 feet, and you have to do a little bit of route finding, and there's deer trails that you're following, and. I thought this sounded like the perfect 50K. Um, (laughs) 50K? Yeah. And that was, I think, my first ultra race. And when I finished, I was, I guess, mentally defeated by how the day went because I didn't have a great day. Then I wanted to go back and try something else, and that was then signing up for a 50 mile. And then it kind of snowballed into being like, hey, Leadville sounds like something I want to do.
2: Did you guys talk after the 50K or...? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. were we still, were we still
2: <laughs> talked. Were, were, were there like a few days of silence? Like?
1: No, there wasn't any days of silence. He was actually, I think you were in Michigan during that race, I think. Were he you in Superior right?
4: or were you just back no, home? I was just back home. He was back okay. home.
1: And so actually one of our mutual friends was out there crewing me. And so I think I was more, I think I scarred our friend more than myself About me, like rolling in completely disheveled, wanting to cry, and he's trying to like put me back together because he knows Brandon better than me. And no, but we talked afterwards. Cool. Cool.
4: If if you want to test yourselves as a couple instead of doing the typical canoe paddling trip (laughs) or put something together on from IKEA, run a fifty k. Yeah, it's a good idea. You just
2: you need like your a a priest to pace you (laughs) (laughs) during a fifty k. Like.
1: No, I think the real test is pacing. Like, are you going to pace your significant other? Oh, yeah. yeah that, that's that, I think that's better than the canoe.
2: I still think divorce rates would be, like, <laughs> definitely cut in half if, <laughs> if, if this were taking place um, for your significant other. Uh, so let's, let's hear, um, Brandon, I mean, it sounds like talking to you, Wasatch was a special experience, if I want to say that. Is that true? Like... Like, how, how many Ultras in did you start thinking about that race? Because that's not an easy one. How'd you get through
4: the lotto? Oh, yeah. How'd that race that go? Yeah, uh, <laughs> the start. I guess the reason I wound up at Wasatch was because I really wanted to pursue a Hard Rock 100 qualifier. The last few years have you know, had the had the opportunity to stay at the Ultimate Direction House at uh, Hard Rock each year and meet some awesome people, get into some pretty cool opportunities out there. I think it was a couple years ago they were saying, yeah, if you want to pay somebody, what you should do is sit at your Just yeah. sit there all day long. Eventually, somebody's going to come in and need somebody to get out. So desperate, they'll take yeah. Brandon. brand like, <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. So... I wound up doing exactly that. I was at URA for like eight hours and had my sleeping bag with me. In the middle of the night, probably close to 1 o'clock, one thirty. a guy came in, and for whatever reason, his pacer couldn't pace him any longer. He said, hey, I need somebody. It's like, I'm your guy. And we got to Kroger's Canteen literally the second that Sunrise was coming up over the San Juan Range. And it was... One of the coolest, most inspiring moments I think you could probably see being up there. And it's a, such a unique race. They don't even allow crew up there, I don't think.
2: I think you yeah, have to right. be pretty sure either right. pacing or running to even make it to
4: that aid station. Yeah. So I think in that moment I was thinking, I'm going to find a way to get back here in the race. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Wasatch was just one of those races that stuck out to me being point to point I love point to point cover more ground you get to see way more things on a loop yeah yeah it just seemed like a good authentic mountain experience and and it was uh, but I wound up going into Wasatch after a pretty crazy summer um, I had been out training for this route that I really want to complete up near Rocky Mountain it's called the Fibner Traverse It basically goes from Milner Pass, which is the one of the northern corners of Rocky Mountain, out to Berthed Pass, which is just south of Winter Park. It was day one of Rocky Mountain being open as far as short road is concerned, and I broke my foot like three miles into my my spring, one of the first times in the Alpine. So I trained all summer. How'd you break your foot? (laughs) No, I, uh, I know it the, sounds weird, but... Yeah, the dumbest like, thing, you, you I do? was just running up one of the trails out there, and and broke it? I'm sorry, I was, I was running down, okay. <laughs> my bad. Like, um, that's even worse. I like, found this itty-bitty rock, just like the little point of the rock was out of the ground, rock? and it was an abulsion fracture, so I rolled my ankle hard enough where the tendon pulled the bone away from itself, almost like a zipper, is how the doctors describe that. Oh, so, little tiny break, but enough to keep me off my feet for 13, I think it was ultimately 13 weeks. And, uh, yeah. I've been there in the boot. Yep, in the boot. It sucks, so, man. It sucks. I was doing just tons of riding that summer uh, after at least taking a few weeks off to let my foot heal up enough to even even get on a bike. Um,
2: That's but, cool that you had
4: an outlet. Yeah. I, I, hadn't it.
2: Just, I hadn't figured out riding during my boot situation so it was more just
4: elevating and icing and taking care of the newborn yeah <laughs> and i think the biking was just it came out almost out of desperation like i didn't even ask permission <laughs> from okay. the doctor i was finally after three weeks i need to do something yeah. and i'm getting the bike so i can stay sane yeah but uh, yeah so i knew i had to go into wasatch as smart as I could. It wasn't going to be a race that I was doing for time or for placement. Really, the only goal is to find a way to finish. And, yeah, wound up just being one of those really smart races from... What do you mean? What do you mean by smart? a smart race? What? Because I only know
2: stupid... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you don't go out as hard as you can?
4: <laughs> um, I knew... At the start, I had to find a way to be at least a little of the way up, because of the the way the course works. You head up a really steep climb right up front. It's very single track, and it's going to bottleneck fast if you're not up toward the front. Yeah. Um, but I knew I wanted to be up there. Apart from that, I was carrying 140 ounces of water on me between every aid station, and the reason for that was. <laughs> 40 140. And this is a smart race. Yeah. So I was what? extremely heavy, but I was dumping water on myself all day long. Okay. Um, I was I knew I had to battle that heat because I had almost no heat training on my side through the summer. Um, and being able to just always be wet was was keeping me cool. And by by staying cool, you're helping your body digest as well. Your body digests better when you're when you're not hot so that really played well with me being able to keep food down um, but just stay motivated to keep moving forward because you don't feel like you're burning up that's i mean that's good advice for
2: those listeners doing western states or any kind of hot runs you don't even think about the fact that your whole body temperature affects digestion i know hydration affects digestion and be able to hold down calories but i didn't think about the overall body heat impacting that, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, had you done heat training into Wasatch at all, or was this like,
4: you're just kinda were was... <laughs> superior, like heat training really isn't much of an issue? In the past, I did heat training going into Havolina, and it's one of those things that you really have to ease into, or else you're gonna screw it up pretty quickly. And going into Wasatch, I had specifically, or exactly, one Heat training day. I went out to the Colorado Trail um, out near Pine, Colorado, and I had my winter running tights and a puffy jacket, and I went out for 20 minutes on, and 20 minutes without the stuff on, and then 20 minutes on again. By the end of that run, I just felt like I was dying. Like I was completely zapped. I zapped myself out for probably two weeks before I felt normal again. Just. Way overdid it right up front, so never heat trained again going into Wasatch. We'll we'll come
2: back to heat training. And okay. I definitely want to hear more about it from each of you guys. Because yep. it's a it's important. I think it affected my Georgia Death Race. Um, so finish up with Wasatch. I mean, how how's it finish? Like, how does it go from the halfway point to the finish? Like, because you said you ran a smart race where you just Taste well. I want, I mean, I need to hear more about how it went, and then I have to hear more about some of your races too, Caitlin.
4: Had good pacers out there. I think another big thing is I love to carry salt on me when I'm running, just exactly raw salt, a little bag in there, and uh, try and dip my food in there every now and then, just stick my thumb in there and get some salt in my system, keeping those electrolytes up. Uh, But another that I've implemented into my racing lately is I literally sawed a toothbrush in half so I keep a half a toothbrush in my upper pocket of my vest and I'll try and brush my teeth out at least a couple of times (laughs) as crazy as it sounds it keeps your your palate fresh and keeps food tasting good especially if you're eating gels or Sugary foods all day long. You don't get that nasty film. What what anymore. mile
2: do you normally utilize that? I save it for like
4: I don't know, like hundred k mark personally, yeah. but probably like mile fifty, and then the middle of the night someplace. So maybe eighty, who knows? And so how
2: how was finishing Wasatch, knowing that you qualified and could throw in for you know Hard Rock? It's not an yeah. easy
4: race to qualify for, and then you could. Qualify for it and never get in, essentially. Right, yeah, it was definitely a huge relief to get that out of the way. It was my only race and really one of the last races of the year that you can get that qualifier for both Western and for Hard Rock. Um, yeah, definitely a big relief to get that off my chest. You just you ran through the finish, you were like, just, ah, this is such a big relief. Walked through the finish.
3: <laughs> <laughs> There's no walk. There. <laughs>
2: The listener needs to just, yeah, ignore that prior comment. There's, there's hiking and running.
4: <laughs> we don't admit to walking.
2: No. Um, that's awesome. I mean, it's I'm just blown away your first big race was Superior, because that's kind of for Midwestern ultra runners. Like, you know, with my Ohio background... That's like as basically as hard as it gets. I mean, it's that Eastern States, if they're even having the race that year. Um, I don't know. There, there's a few others, but that's a serious race to start Start that distance with. Um, Caitlin, how did you progress? Did you start off with 50Ks? Did you do a bunch of 50Ks after the MS runs, or were you like, did you just go sp- dive into 100 mile like were you
1: so i did 150k and then i decided i was going to run the north face 50 mile and that was um which
2: one one? one. okay
1: pretty stout because the whole course is really runnable and so you can blow yourself up pretty quickly which i think i did but you live and you learn um, I you did. Started with
2: like this Super Bowl of 50 <laughs> milers. Just to throw it out there, there's really no other 50 miler out there that is more stacked. And oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. But I thought, what the heck? Um, and then I went back to, I ran another segment of MS Run the US, and I was fortunate enough to run from Steamboat into Denver, so kind of on my home, home turf.
2: Steamboat to Denver? That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Can I sign up for that, honestly? Like...
1: Probably next year. They're running the relay currently. So they'll be coming through in May, I think. May, right? Yeah. Um, so I did that, and then it kind of was in the back of my head that I really wanted to run Leadville. Everyone reads the book Born to Run. Brandon was reading it while we were on the relay the first time, and I read it, and then I was like, okay, I kind of want to do 100 miles. That would be cool, but I don't run that far. And then it kind of progressed to a few nudges from him saying, yeah, you could do it. And some big nudges from my dad saying, go for it. And so I went for... um,
2: Whose pull was stronger?
1: My dad, because he told me just to quit being a wimp and do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. So I went out to try and get a coin because the lotto had already been up. And I went out for, I think it was the marathon to get my coin into Leadville and kind of progressed that way.
2: So you... I'm trying to remember. You weren't like the first that was the fifty miler that has the goofy like Yeah. First up Dutch Henry gets don't, the coin. Don't try that. You you were like what is it, like top three in the marathon?
1: Um That's it's amazing. Top yeah, it's top in your age group or top overall is when you can get a coin.
2: And so how did it feel getting the coin and being like, Oh crap. Like hey I was Hey Dad <laughs> I was just
1: standing on the podium and they handed me the coin, they're like, Do you want to take it? And Brandon's Stand, I'm looking at Brandon. He's like, take it, Except- take it, <laughs> take just, it. He accepted it oh, for you. Like- so, and he's standing over my soul, soul, shoulder as I'm, like, signing for Merrily. Like, you sign your life away as soon as you get the coin that you've accepted it. And he's just standing over my shoulder like, you did it. It's like, what have I gotten myself into? Did
4: did you, you, taking
1: did, photos of it. <laughs>
2: do you get to keep the coin, by the way? Yeah. Do you have to, like, turn it in to run? I okay. We. You get to, like, frame it or throw it in a shoebox or whatever? Yeah,
1: we have... <laughs> I don't know how many we have. We've also taken them and not accepted an entry, but you're supposed to give oh. the coin back if you don't accept your entry. But that's somehow like, we ended up with a few extra.
2: I, that's like getting a golden ticket and are like, nah, not this year. <laughs> Western states can weigh it. Like, <laughs> that's cool though. So Western States was had you done a fifty miler or a hundred K?
1: Um I had done
2: Lead Bill. I
1: had done a fifty mile, i done two fifty miles. I had not done a hundred K. Actually, this year's Black Canyon was my first 100K.
2: What? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so you
2: jumped to double what you had done previously. Yeah. How did you train for that?
1: Um, oh, my goodness. I'm trying to think. We put together a pretty similar plan to what I did running for the MS Relay, a lot of cumulative fatigue on the body. There's really no reason to be running more than a 20-mile day, or at least that's what my body could handle, and then backed it up with... Totally. You know, another two hour run the next day. And that's usually how training went. It was a lot Wait, of Wait, so you don't run a hundred
2: miles to train for, 100 you, you Walms, for a hundred miler? Unless you're just Walmsley. You don't go out for a long <laughs> run that's a hundred miles?
1: Unless you're Walmsley, no.
2: So your but, longest long run was twenty?
1: Um
2: well, I, I mean you threw in a fifty I threw in a fifty obviously. mile. Obviously.
1: And that was just to get, like, the racing environment that you're coming up on aid stations, you're checking paces, making sure everything's in control, can my stomach handle this. Um, I think my longest training run was when I actually did the Leadville Camp. I helped out at the camp. And they did from May Queen to Twin Lakes, which is about a 26-mile route, and that was my longest day out. Brandon,
2: i got to ask you, like longest run into superior your first hundred which obviously just slacker starting off with that easy superior like was this time cut off like 40 hours or something ridiculous something in there (laughs) yeah what was your longest long run into superior
4: I'm trying to think back that far. Um, <laughs> yeah, people are going to be like,
2: did my podcast
4: turn off right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, i got I to gotta check my cable. Generally speaking, with 100 milers, I try to top out somewhere around 24 to 28 miles. Yeah, my Yeah, totally. Uh, I've talked
2: to Zach Miller, and he's
4: like 32 is kind of like as far
2: as you go for a 100 miler. Yeah. Like, no. And people are shocked at that. And I talked to Kyle Curtin, who won Tahoe, beat out Courtney DeWalter um, for a 205-mile race. His longest long run into training for that was, I think, 60, I think it was 100K type distance. Mm -hmm. Which, again, people are all shocked that you can run these longer races and not have to do long runs that break you. Yep, it's true. I mean, you guys get it, but a lot of people will listen
4: and be like, what? I can do a marathon and that'll get me ready for superior. I think there's a lot to be said about spending time on your feet versus overwhelming yourself with, with distance. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah. If, if I'm training for Leadville, just throwing that out as an example... 28-hour or a 28-mile run, that's going to be all day long training for Leadville and getting the adequate amount of vert. Um, So you really need to be looking at, at least I think, um, finding a way to measure time on your feet when prepping for that, that race. And training for 100 miles is pretty similar to training for a marathon with maybe a little bit extra mileage on a long run.
2: What... Are, yeah. you,
4: are you like a coach or something? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Have we even mentioned that you guys are coaches? <laughs> okay. you did start off saying
4: that. Um, yeah. Caitlin, how
2: did Leadville 100 go? On your just totally, you know, oh, you're man. totally lacking on your training because you didn't even do 21 miles for your long run. I, no, but did, did it go well, or what happened at Leadville?
1: Since it was my first 100 miler, I paired up with a teammate for the first 13 miles of kind of like, all right, just make sure I don't go out too fast. Don't make sure we do any dumb mistakes. He took way off on me because he wanted to have a really great, like I think sub 22 day. Um, And I rolled into the first two aid stations with my coach texting my crew telling me to slow down because I was really excited. Leadville's, it's a race where in the first 20, 30 miles, you can go really fast.
3: It's a really really runnable
1: course.
2: And you can slip and slice yourself (laughs) around, what is it, turquoise lake? Yeah. It gets slippery in the morning. Yeah, it
1: was pretty slick that morning. Overall, I think the race went really well. I just wanted to play a conservative game, at least to get over into Winfield, which is the 50 mile, and then to turn around and get back, I had pacers. And I had some incredible pacers that told me when to eat, told me when I needed to drink. They are your brain for you. Um, It ended up being a really solid 100 mile experience for your first 100 mile
2: did brandon pace you or crew
1: no he was actually racing <laughs> you
2: guys are still together yeah <laughs> okay. surprisingly he's still your significant <laughs> okay just checking um that's a that's a rarity at mm-hmm. leadville um yeah did you do the 50 miler yeah i did the silver 50 mi- i
1: did silver rush and, and that kind of gets my
2: your, okay that's that's perfect training. So are you a lead
1: woman? Also? No, I'm not a lead woman. You
2: didn't do the bike? No, I didn't do the bike. Whatever.
1: That's on the bucket list.
2: I mean, you're, you've are you basically done it. <laughs> um, so would you have changed anything during that race? Your first hundred? I mean, just finishing Leadville is a lot of people's, like, that's kind of your pinnacle in ultra running, honestly, because it's at such a hard altitude. and Yeah. I course mark Powerline every year, and then I go back to my Hampton Inn and throw off. <laughs> power line's the like, best part of the course. It kills me every year. I swear there's something in the dust.
1: Yeah, Powerline's really dusty. Um, I think if I were to change anything looking back, it would be to take Hope Pass a little bit more aggressively.
2: Aggressively? Okay. Um, oh, no, cool. And
1: to just make sure that I'm eating more on Hope Pass for more energy. Um, usually uphills take a lot more energy than a downhill. It's also easier to eat while going uphill versus downhill. You don't have the risk of falling.
2: And, and your stomach isn't bouncing like a yeah. downhill either, so like digestion seems to be... Yeah. I always eat on uphills. I mean, I don't know if that's the correct way to if do you it. Eat while you, do. yeah.
1: If you eat while you're slower moving, your stomach actually can address that it's the stomach that needs attention. If you're running really hard and really fast and you're trying to put in food, your stomach's going to go a little bit south a little bit faster. So taking a little bit of time to have a bite here and there also really helps cuz you're sending blood flow to other places if you think about it. The blood flow is going to your feet, your hands, your arms. I it's mean, not thinking about your stomach. What,
2: what do you know? You're you're not a lead woman. Not yet. Not
1: a lead woman. <laughs> a finisher.
2: <laughs> I still can't believe how like nonchalant. Oh, I got a coin like I did the marathon. By the way, I did the marathon and it was harder than like any 50K I've done.
1: <laughs> it's one of the it's harder
2: hard. trail marathons. It's really great training though. Mm-hmm. Like to start off the year
4: in June with that. Like. I was out shooting photos at the high point of the marathon last year. What's the name of that? that mosquito. Mosquito. It was it was pass. mosquito Pass. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I was out on Mosquito Pass with my camera. And I kid you not, the wind was so strong it blew both of the lenses out of my sunglasses. I'm <laughs> just like into oblivion, way down the mountain. Like it is no joke, windy and tough to get up. You look so emo with
2: like <laughs> <laughs> your glasses really, without lenses, really black big <laughs>
4: frames, but no lenses in. Yeah, that's pretty cool, good bud. So
2: let's let's move let's shift gears because. Unfortunately, uh, runners' Zeus will kick us out here shortly. Um, I want to hear, and we'll we'll stay in touch. Okay, we'll have you back on the podcast. Let's um, and I'll I'll be here at more group runs. Let's hear more about training, because I think a lot of people are very interested in training questions and trying to get ready for their first ultra, or maybe they've finished a marathon or fifty k and they're like black canyon I mean I saw Caitlin crushing out there I maybe I could do it um, what what do you recommend where like if you're a rookie you've stuck to your classic Hal Higgins downloaded free program and it broke you and then you tried again and limp through it or whatever like how do you get ready for a 100k like black canyon I think is It's a pretty good, it's an easier 100k if you want to call it that because the gain is, I don't know, 6,000 on a good day. Um, But it's still 62 to 65 miles, and you have to have the fitness level to continue um, for however many hours that takes. Like, how do you get ready for 100k if you've done a few marathons and you're like, or even half marathons? Maybe you got lucky and got a 50k in there. like how do I get prepared for Black Canyon Hunter Get?
1: I think the biggest thing is knowing what type of course you're going to be on if like Black Canyon is a net downhill, meaning you run more downhill than you run uphill, knowing you have that, um, kind of knowing what course and what elevation you're going to gain, and I think putting yourself on similar terrain to what you're going to run, and like Brandon said, it's time on feet. Um, most people. Can physically max out without overdoing it about 12 to 13 hours on their feet a week of running. And that's even like elites who are running 100 mile weeks, if you think about pace. So making sure you get that time on the feet versus saying, oh, I have to go run 50 miles. Think of it in hours. Okay, I'm going to go do a four hour run today. And kind of chunking it up that way so then you're not completely tied to a mileage.
2: So, what if I'm injured? Can I do biking for a few hours and think of it as training for 100 kit? As weird as that sounds. I mean, especially if I'm kitted out and have a sick bike like Brandon. <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> I'm going to revert that to the person that bikes, but I think you can use it as a great cross-training for aerobic base. But.
2: I, no, seriously, though. like Biking really helped me last year. <laughs> I haven't got my gear changer fixed, so I haven't...
3: <laughs>
4: I, I haven't hit the bike yet. Um. So I, I don't have a nice bike, but... It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's is heavy. that Lance Armstrong? And that's no. where the okay. workout comes from. Uh, you look legit you, today, by the way. <laughs> can you use your um, bike to train? To an extent, yes. Uh, I do believe that having time on bike is helping to develop your aerobic system. Mm-hmm. The aerobic system is one that is extremely trainable. You can you know, really just throw in mileage and, and build your body from that couch to 100k if you're doing it smart. Um, I think where people get into trouble is doing it too fast. Um, definitely trying to buy by that, that 10% per week as far as your, your mileage volume gain goes per week. And I'm a big believer in training the aerobic system before you t- start trying to get into training the hill system. That, that leg strength. Anaerobic,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Well speed. yeah, definitely anaerobic and speed too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think ideally a a good training plan is gonna be big aerobic base. Then you're gonna have a little bit of hills in there, probably a, a shorter hill block to build up some of that strength. And then starting to integrate your speed. And the speed you can you can top out your speed system or that anaerobic system pretty quickly with a, a smaller training block but ultimately bringing that all back together before the race. Um, yeah, that's a good training plan. Definitely the taper, too. Um, reducing, your, reducing your volume, but still maintaining your turnover. So don't be afraid to still get in your, your quick workouts, just shorter volume. I, the taper, I mean, <laughs> if someone
2: can write one book on like the perfect taper plan, be like a New York Times bestseller because it's it's such like an art form Mm -hmm. like it's different for each individual it seems like and like each coach has their own plan and I don't know I I can nail a taper sometimes and other times my legs are screaming at mile seven and I'm like at never summer like what did I do in my taper that screwed this up um
4: Well, Do you
3: have
1: something to
4: say? No, it. I was, was going to say, yeah, the, the taper can be. Don't cut. worry, I'll
2: edit that
3: out. I'm, I'm, I
4: doubt you will. I'm the most <laughs> talented editor ever. I
2: learned this, like, razor cut for iMovie. <laughs> <laughs>
4: the, uh, the, the cut feature? Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah cut clip. feature <laughs> click, yeah. Um, Don't worry, you'll sound great. But yeah, we. As athletes, I mean, we get dedicated to training for something big, and it, to an extent, becomes our, our source of, of pride and what gets us up in the morning, and day after day after day during a training block, we're getting those endorphins, and we're getting those that positive feedback loop of what is training, and then all of a sudden during taper, you cut that in half, or you yeah. take a substantial part of that out. I mean it, it really can be difficult from and then you're eating salads into it <laughs> just life it just
2: changes so much. Yeah. Um, it's important though.
1: Yeah. And I think it's normal for most people during taper to feel junky. I mean, you've built up such a high mileage or high base, and then you're cutting that down almost in half and so your legs are trying to absorb everything you've given it for that training block. So if you're Feeling tired on your first few taper runs? It's perfectly normal. If your legs feel a little bit heavy, that's fine. Roll them out. Eat good food. Um, do make sure you get some of those faster workouts in because it is going to help that turnover for race day. Don't do a big long like two hour effort. I'm but all
2: about the turnover for race day.
1: <laughs> but it is those, normal. those
2: food. first ten miles of Moab two hundred and forty. Dead sprint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um. So really quick, I don't know where I was going to take that. Um, so two hundred and forty is one in the first couple of miles, Rob. I, it's 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 uh,
2: if there's a I'm trying to call it a bird beyond a hundred because like we call an ultra like any distance beyond a marathon, but then most ultras beyond marathon or like topped out at a hundred so beyond a hundred is kind of a bird right candace bird (laughs) um one of our listeners viewers who took up running you you were talking about heat training right um pj dj dj DJ. (laughs) dj read my book i think are you all the way through those are the best two chapters. <laughs> I'm, I can't wait. I'll just see you running blocks around here after you read those two. Um, uh, we were talking about hydration. and Because he had just done the group run today and was saying, like, calf, like, you know, you felt like a slight pain in your calf. And I was like, it might be hydration. I want to talk, I want to finish, like, last few minutes, like... What do you guys recommend on heat training, first and foremost? But then, how does how, how do new runners gauge hydration? Because it's it plays a huge factor. Like if you don't nail hydration, you lose your stomach. If you don't have your stomach, you're bonking. If you're bonking, you're like me at mile twenty, a mile at two forty, and you're seeing rocks. Like. <laughs> Like, seriously, it's from uh, both you guys are coaches and you coach ultra runners and all, all sorts of runners. Like, walk him through how to manage hydration to start with and, and heat training. And then that obviously leads into other aspects.
1: I'll pass heat training on to Brandon because he's trained for more hotter races than I have. But when it comes to hydration, um, I've heard a saying with someone that works for Garmin that it's water on electrolytes in and that to an extent is a great philosophy because you want to be replacing the salt you're losing you want to be replacing all of those electrolytes your body is losing through sweat so you don't just want to be especially in an ultra drinking solid water if you're drinking solid water you have nothing to help replenish what you're losing even if you eat a banana even if you eat things like that you need to have some other electrolytes going in and it kind of helps manage the systems of not cramping, positive stomach, all of that stuff. And taking sips of water, I usually suggest with my athletes to sip them at aid stations. In an ultra, you have an aid station, probably max, unless it's 240, <laughs> max of Every like 10. 20,
2: 20 miles.
1: Yeah. You have an aid station at least within a 10-mile gap. Seven miles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you can go into the aid station and be like, all right, I need to refill my electrolytes, but now here I'm going to take a cup of water. And kind of balance it out that way. I think making sure you're hydrated to an extent of not being overhydrated, and that's why I say electrolytes in um, more than just water because you can overhydrate with just plain water it's, in your body. It's a
2: hard balance. Mm-hmm. This is such a balancing act, and like I'm pretty novice at it. But there are races like George Death Race. I couldn't tell if I was overhydrated or underhydrated. Like literally to the point of. Like, every runner that passed by, like, takes all. And then I was throwing up. Like, I just, I couldn't figure out if I needed more water or more sodium and electrolytes. Like,
1: I think that takes, again, practicing, learning from mistakes in races. Right. Um, A great way to start practicing that is every, if you have two bottles, one bottle's water, one bottle's electrolytes. You take a sip of electrolytes, you go to take another sip. Take it of your water and kind of alternate that, so you're getting an equal balance in there.
2: So, not to get personal, are you looking at um, your pee color? Because, yeah. okay, if I'm peeing clear, what am I doing? Versus, what if I pee and it's like real dark color?
1: If it's clean, what if it's
2: blood color? No, seriously, blood
1: color, you probably need to go see the medical tent. Um, it
3: happens. It does happen. Honestly, and it hasn't of happened to me. Have God. dropped from
1: races because of that. If it's clear, you don't want it necessarily see through clear. You actually want to see some actual yellow color in there.
2: What if it's clear? What do I do?
1: You can probably lay off of just like the plain water, get some salt. Salt
2: pills immediately? Yeah,
1: not immediately, but slow drip. Slow drip of salt, slow drip of other nutrients to kind of balance that out. I think that's probably the best way to do it. If your pea's really dark, water? Water. Um, get a little bit more water in you. You can kind of back off the salt and reassess that too. And if you're really concerned about it being like too dark, go see the medical tent. Cause they're probably going to be able to say, Hey, this is, this is what's going to start happening. Here's what you can do. And they, they might reassess you a little bit better.
2: Okay. And we're really close to hitting our time, unfortunately, but um, let's close off with how do you recommend heat training? Cause we're coming out of winter. We just went on a group. We just came out of a, yeah, like a a weird arctic snow bomb situation, followed with like seventy. It was it was pretty hot today. Yeah. Like, how do I get ready if I'm going to run one of those hotter races, like a even a Western states to be extreme? Like, what do you what do you recommend in terms of training? Do I need to know? Do I need to part of like a heat training secret society like I don't know any secret handshakes but I hear like Western States
4: is one or less based on this so yeah definitely runs like States or Javelina those are very hot uh, or can be and heat training is one of those things that you really really need to tiptoe into like you cannot overdo it from the start uh, or really anytime and so, a good way to start is really just, if you're a summer day, a long sleeve. Like, go from wearing, instead of that t-shirt, wear a long sleeve. Do it for... Be the weirdo. Yeah. One <laughs> one to two days per Why week. Why that guy
2: wearing a long yep. sleeve
4: Never on a long run day, never on a workout day, because heat training is exponentially raising the stress level on your body. Um, it, yeah, it works a lot of those different systems in your body um, it can really cause extra stress. So over time-
2: Like what part of your body does it stress? Like, adre- like will yeah. I have like adrenal stress? Or uh, like,
4: what, like what part of my body is being stressed? Adrenals, you're gonna be hard. sweating more, definitely that cardio system. But yeah, you're gonna be going through more electrolytes than you're used to. You're gonna be sweating more, burning way more calories. But yeah, um, cardio, your body's gonna be working harder to regulate your temperature. So, but yeah, maybe the next week, throw on a pair of those cheap dollar Walmart gloves, and as you know, as time goes on, maybe think about throwing tights on. But uh, you know, it's it's a delicate process, and it's something you need to tiptoe
2: into. And- like, I remember talking to E.O. Wang, so, like, you might need to advise your local law enforcement that you are that, <laughs> that person out on the trails so that they don't SWAT team you. Because, um, <laughs> like, you, you see someone dressed in, like, winter coats and, like, layers and, like, like that person... Um... Okay, sorry. All, all, all my jokes can't be good. Um, let's... I
1: think with heat training, sorry to add another note, if you find that you're really exhausted after one of those heat training runs, then you can always switch out your really hard workout or switch out a workout for a heat training run they add about the same amount of stress to the body, if not heat doing more and you want those easy days in training, so you don't want to take every easy day as a heat training day Uh, make sure that you're getting out and utilizing that maybe as your workout for the day
2: so I want to finish one last question the night. What do you guys recommend for two ultra runners, significant others, tips for significant others that are both coaches that might have different philosophies in certain aspects of coaching? How do you make it work? It's awesome. Trust me. (laughs) And can I hire you guys as a couple?
1: (laughs) I think what makes us work is we have different – athlete basis so we we don't work with the same athletes i know some couples they coach and they have the same athletes in their roster we have completely different athletes with completely different goals and i think that works out really well it is nice that we both have a very similar philosophy on coaching so we don't really argue a whole lot there that's good (laughs) Um, what
2: if you were totally different philosophies (laughs) gosh i can't even imagine i
1: think that's like the debate between mozzarella and cheddar cheese. <laughs> we have we, that.
4: we try and run together at least once a week. That's that, awesome. That makes things work out. For so um, like a two-mile, like, <laughs> <fast> track <laughs> workout. We, we share regrets about the pizza that we ate on the weekend. Right? Um, I, yeah, I can never some eat some pizza and not feel bad about myself. Yep. We, <laughs> Crack inappropriate bathroom jokes like way more than we should admit on this podcast. Yeah,
2: we were all ultra runners. i was
4: just talking about
2: just talking to anime about certain routines that uh, we
4: were all humans though. Yeah. Drink drink your coffee before you run. Like, <laughs> that part of
2: the day out
1: totally. Colon gets rolling. <laughs> but in all honesty, we we plan long runs together, short runs together we are very supportive of one another, so I was very lucky finishing Leadville. Um, Brandon didn't have the day he wanted, but he was at the finish line for me. And that really showed that there was a huge level of support, uh, I've gone to Havelina and not been racing, and been crew boss, and knowing to kind of put aside our emotional feelings towards one another and kind of go into business mode. But it also kind of shows... <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but to sh- and that kind of no shows the support. <laughs> that shows our support for one another and being really supportive of each other's goals.
2: That's awesome. No, I, I appreciate you guys taking the time. We'll stay in touch with you guys. This won't be the first time you hear from these two, so... <laughs> I like the fact that you're not super, super elites, but you are definitely kicking my butt at all races, so... Like, we'll, we'll see each other at races in the future, and we can, you know, talk about, like, oh, that trail rework, what crap that was. Um, but no, I, I truly appreciate you guys taking the time. And let's just end on where can I follow you on social media? Do you have social media outlets? And, like, where can I sign up for both of you to coach me? Because I will be the first one and probably cause marital issues. And I, I will throw out, like, like marriage counseling, like before you get married, just if you had to just go do 50k together, I think that would be the best test. Like, <laughs> like no priest needs to ask questions. Just can you two go do a 50k together? Okay, you're good. Um, you're more than significant
4: others now. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. It's uh, Brandon Yankee Run Coach. And there's a underscore between each word and as far as coaching is concerned i am at run infinite uh, or www.runinfinite.com
3: yep
1: and you can find me on instagram at kkroo kkroo 917 and you can actually get in touch with me on instagram by clicking the link for coaching and i coach with lifelong endurance and that's pretty simple for their website too it's www.lifelongendurance.com and we have a whole slew of different coaches and I'm under there as their ultra coach
2: thank you guys we'll stay in touch we'll have a more in-depth you know conversation at some point I know we'll stay in touch so thank you guys for taking the time and I
4: learned a lot (laughs) thanks for putting on a rad podcast and uh, yeah been reading the book awesome too if you you haven't read it yet you guys should if you're listening I couldn't agree more yeah again thanks for having us on yeah
2: absolutely thank you and that was episode 90 hopefully you enjoyed it that was really fun keeping it local Thanks again to Scott, Josephine, Michelle Barton for surprising Josephine. And big thank you to Brandon Yonke and Caitlin Morgan for taking so much of their time to record that live. Thank you to Runner's Roost. It was just a a fun event, so truly appreciate it. Thank you again to the the show sponsors, Ultimate Direction, Sufferfest Beer, Hammer Nutrition, Exoskin, and Destination Trail. Have a great week. Don't forget to enjoy your training.